Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're going to be looking at 12 verses as we close out our missions month. Those of you who are joining us for the first time, we welcome you. And as you know, uh, as we talked about this whole missions month, just as a way of review for some of us and for those of you who are new, you could kind of catch up and be up to speed. Uh, for the four weeks, we've kind of titled this whole thing as the upside down. We talked about the upside down life. What does that really mean? And we talked about how it's important that once you experience this work of transformation in your life, that you can live your life with conviction. I realize that those of you who have not really experienced genuine transformation, uh, it's really hard to live with this conviction that Jesus Christ is the only way and he is the one who could transform your life. Unless you've experienced it yourself, it's going to be very difficult to share that with other people. And then we talked about the upside down perspective. And as we heard from Pastor Bo, it's about the cross of Jesus Christ. That is our foundation. And then we have a choice, whether it's foolishness or it's a foundation for us in our faith. And then in part three, we talked about the importance of the upside down community. That it's not just being uh, connected to community, but it's about being committed in community. And it's not just something that it's for you, even though that's part of it, but it's also learning how to be a blessing to those people who are in your life group and in the community in our church. And lastly, this past week, as many of you already have expressed how blessed you have been, we talked about the upside down city and how God is trying to use us and use not only our church, but all the churches, the capital C, to turn the city upside down in the right way where God's kingdom values and everything that he's been teaching us for all these years and things that he's doing in our lives that we can see the needs around us. And some of you have hopefully been educated. I have There's so many different things that I had no clue about. But when Susanna came and shared, and even when my wife and I and uh, a couple other people had lunch with her, we were able to hear a little bit more specifically of needs of this city. And that's why we're doing this Giving Tuesday, and we're hoping that some of the uh, resources that we raise together, we can kind of give some of those things to different ministries here in Hong Kong. With all that being said, today what I wanted to do is to close out this Upside Down a series by simply talking about an Upside Down world. How do we flip the world upside down? What is our role? What is, the, God is, what is God calling us to do? Not only you individually, but us together as a church community. What is he wanting us to do to turn the world upside down? So as you have heard already, uh, this past week or for the last couple of weeks, we had many of the life groups in different life stages do outreaches. And so what we decided to do was just one minute each, just really quickly to share from each of the campuses, each of the life stage, just some praises of what God did so that it's not just one life group or one life stage that understands what happened, but we want the whole church. Turn to someone next year and say, the whole church, amen? <laughs> The whole church, we're the whole church. We're not an island to ourselves. We're together in this. So we wanted to have uh, some of our brothers and sisters 
come up and share what God's been doing. So let's go ahead and give them a hand as they come up and share with us. It is a blessing to give and to serve. I definitely felt this when I went on my mission outreach this past Sunday and Wednesday, where we packaged food and gave it out to the poor and homeless people in Yaomate. They are so grateful for our small acts of service for them, even saying God bless you back to us as we gave them bread and sanitized their hands. As I watched them line up to get food, my heart broke as I realized how many people from as young as early 20s had been driven into poverty due to the COVID pandemic, and many of their shoes were so worn out that they were falling apart. However, it is because they don't have much that their hearts are more open to the gospel. They love hearing about the word of God and how Jesus served and helped the poor because they can relate to these stories. We also met an elderly woman who was so full of joy and enthusiasm despite her living conditions and wanted us to teach her English because she loved learning different languages and even communicated with a few of us in Indonesian. Furthermore, seeing all the volunteers work hard to package the food and hand it out to homeless made me realize how everyone's heart is really for Jesus and is filled with the pure motive to serve and to glorify the name of God. We can serve and we can love because Jesus loved and served us first. Therefore, since God has blessed us with so much, it is an honor to get to serve the community he has placed us in and to show them the love and kindness that Jesus showed us first. Thank you. Hi, church. My name is Theo, and I'm from Opila Group. For CSK, we dedicated a week during mission months, and we call it Love Week where we are able to serve and reach out to different groups of people in CSK in, in Hong Kong. For the campus outreach, we made care packages to bless our dormates. We also had a study break Zoom for game night and hike to the big hangout to be able to build relationship with other students and to provide a time for them to take a break from studying. For the city outreach, we partnered with Christian Action to serve the domestic helpers around the city. We had different activities during the day, like health check at station, and provided activities and space for them to have fun and take a break. I'm so grateful that we can do this event because they changed my perspective toward people around me. At first, I was kind of afraid to reach out to my doormates, thinking of what would they say about me. But after giving the care packages, seeing their responses bring me joy. Even for the domestic helper outreach, Hearing their struggles of working in Hong Kong helped me to gain perspective toward different groups of people and change how I see those around me. Thank you. Hi, I'm Julian from the Psych Life Group. At EST Life Group, we noticed that a lot of times that we would just fall into the same routines and autopilot throughout. So in light of that and Missions Month, we decided to turn things upside down to rediscover our heart for God and the people around us. This month, we had our activities and our own LCG pairings, which enabled us to personalize Life Group to help us to share more deeply and vulnerably. Praise God that not only were we able to better connect to friends that we invited, but also that we could form stronger, more meaningful relationships. 
After one Bible study, one of the next steps was to post in the public group chat something we were struggling with and how our perspective has changed. Personally, I was doubtful that anyone would even share something that vulnerable. But I was, to my surprise, I was actually blessed to see people sharing, some of whom weren't even Christian or whom I hadn't even seen in person. That really humbled me and showed me that God is working even when I don't see it. Grateful for the work that he's doing in our campus and hoping that we can finish off Missions Month strong. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Samuel from um, Exot Cordial Life Group. And yeah, I just wanted to share um, some updates um, of Missions Month from Cordial Life Groups. So um, for Exot, uh, we did our city outreach uh, with a charity called Feeding Hong Kong, uh, where we collected leftover bread uh, from bakeries and delivered them to their warehouse. And yeah, we also did hiking, um, contrib uh, distributing care packages around Polio campus, and also a Thanksgiving picnic uh, for our campus outreach. And so for the other life group, Shukert, um, they did an art jam to like, appreciate the city of Hong Kong. And they also distributed sanitary um, care packages um, around Mong Kok and Yamate area for their city outreach. Um, so a personal takeaway um, for me during this missions month is that um, I'm able to learn to trust God more. Um, as being a part of the planning team, um, I was always like unsure of how things are going to turn out. Um, but during the actual outreach, I was able to see how um, God is able to work through us to reach out to people. And yeah, this just reminds me that uh, we are the ones who plans, but God is the one who works. Thank you. Um, hi church, my name is Lydia. And um, on behalf of the Building Gloss Ministry, which is a family and children ministry, just want to share some updates here, how God has been working. Uh, we started our teaching unit called Love Our Family around the same time as missions months began. And we felt like this is a great opportunity to teach our children to uh, love one another as if they were part of our family. Since some of our families here um, have helpers at home, it opens up windows for us to get to know the two countries where most of the helpers came from, the Philippines and Indonesia, uh, for our children to gain a greater heart for the people groups um, around them. We also have somebody from the Focus Ministry who worked at the International Care Ministries to come and share um, about the work that they're doing um, in their ministry and also just how it will look like in the children's context. This afternoon at the church, after lunch, we're actually going to Monco area to pass out care packages and also to care for them. Um, praise God that the families are eager to donate items for the care package and also um, uh, eager to you know, participate in reaching out to the helpers too. Please continue to pray for just safety um, and health and also an eye-opening, um, memorable outreach experience as we reach out to the helpers because Christ reached out to us first. Thank you. Hello, I'm about to wrap because uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the single adult ministry and focus and city ministry, all the names combined. So there, there, there's a chinchilla there, but there, uh, we actually split into seven different groups according to seven different uh, sphere because we're doing the transformer sphere. Uh, so for, there are a lot that happened, so grateful. And I think uh, some of the highlights, it's, uh, we did a jogging as a fundraiser for the recent fire that happened in Jordan. Uh, we did, we partnered with two other ministries. We partnered with Mana Ministry that served uh, people living uh, under the 
the poverty line, subdivide the flats. We also serve uh, with Eden Ministry that mainly helps women in a sex trafficking industry. Our art group actually designed some designed cards that you can give it out uh, to your coworkers and family, but you kind of have to buy them so the profits go to Eden Ministry. There's also actually jewelry outside of the uh, host team table that you can also partner with us to support Eden Ministry. I think one of my main takeaways, see how God works, is really while we're working, we often doubt where why are we there what, what are we doing in our environment or work position but our brothers uh, in my own personal team that uh, one of them is a medical laboratory technician he was able to use his uh, medical knowledge that he blessed um, middle-aged single mom uh, that her muscles lost and all her pain in her body that she doesn't find any cure but when she talked to our brother able to listen show empathy that she was actually reassured and she's open uh, for our prayers afterwards I think that was very blessed and I think just throughout all this activities that even though we have little faith in all the planning or whatnot but God really uses us and soften our hearts to serve the city thank you very much Amen. come on let's let's give the Lord uh, another applause amen Praise God. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Uh, those of you who served, you know, this is what church is all about. Uh, it's not just about a country club where we just kind of enjoy ourselves. But we have to be a salt and light in the city. And just seeing all those pictures, all of you participating, that's what's really, that brings great joy to my heart. And I pray that all of us will continue, not just in one month, but also just throughout our lives, this will be part of who we are as we have been so blessed. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and get started as we uh, just get into the message. And I wanted to start off uh, just by asking a question. I know some of you might not want to respond, but uh, please, it will help us if you respond. How many of you know BTS? Okay. <laughs> some of you are sitting there like, I do know them, but I don't want to raise my hand. Uh, some of you are like, I do not like them. Um, why is Pastor Seth even sharing about BTS? Uh, those of you who don't know, I mean, they, they are a seven-person K-pop band, and they literally have canvassed the international scene. The reason why they are the talk of the town recently is because they have already won two of the American Music Awards that uh, people can win, and they just recently got nominated for the Grammys. So if you can win these three, uh, you're pretty much legit. And to be even more forthright, no other, no other groups, especially from Korea or from Asia for that matter, has ever been nominated for three of these. And if they win this one against, I think it's Katy Perry, Beyonce, and some of these other people, if they win, then they will be the first non-American group to win all three of these American awards. Uh, those of you who might not know them, th there they are. Um, <laughs> yes, that's them. And now you know why there's some people in our church who try to color their hair. Anyway, so, so that being said, so with that being said, with that being said, it's amazing because they have they have appeared on every single talk host show you can imagine. And you know that they made it because they were even in James Corden's uh, Carpool Karaoke. And so when you make there, you're pretty big. So it's interesting because as I was kind of doing my research, 
I realized that these dudes, uh, they actually have a good message. In fact, they actually spoke at the UN uh, on behalf of UNICEF as they were talking about this message of hope and to be able to love yourself in light of all the mental illnesses and so many people going through depression because of the pandemic. And so they believe that music is just a means to convey a message. And this is the reason why there are hundreds, if not thousands, tens of hundreds and thousands of millions of followers because of the message and also maybe their hair and their facial skincare uh, activities. So I know some of us know a lot about them. You know a lot of their songs. Um, but for those of you who do not, and those of you who will never say that you do listen to their music, I wanted to show you this video that will give you a summary about BTS. This is the crash course for BTS. And hopefully throughout the whole sermon, I'm going to try to link everything back together. And you'll understand why I'm starting off the message and talking about BTS. Once again, it's not just the looks, it's not just their dance moves and their songs, but there's a message that literally is drawing millions of people to them. So let's go ahead and watch this video together. All right. I'm gonna confess and say that if they do come to Hong Kong, I'll be very open to going. <laughs> So if any of you want to join me, uh, <laughs> let's do it. I'm just wondering if instead of BTS, it really is Jesus Christ. I'm wondering if instead of love yourself message, which I think in many ways in order to love people, you have to love yourself, but not a self-centered love, but a love that is centered on, around Christ. What would happen if the message of Jesus Christ spread globally like you see in terms of the phenomenon with BTS? What would happen? And I think for some of us, it's really hard to try to imagine what that would be like. I think one of the reasons is simple because many of you are just struggling with trying to walk with God. Some of us are even struggling trying to be a witness at work or maybe in your classrooms, or your dorm room, or whatever it may be, even in your apartment. The sad fact is some of your coworkers and some of your classmates don't even know you're a believer. So think about that for a moment. If you're struggling with something that is this basic, to imagine and to think that this message of the gospel can go global and literally transform the world, it is outside of our scope of understanding. And I was just wondering, like, can you imagine if the gospel and Jesus Christ took the same phenomenon as you see with BTS? Can you imagine all the people that we'll be able to reach? Can you imagine the amount of impact that we will be able to have on the world with this incredible message of hope, love, forgiveness, if we were to take it to the nations? But as I mentioned, I think for many of us, we're just struggling and we can't even dream of a possibility 
like that, of reaching the nations. But I think it's important for us to have God's heart, have God's vision for all the nations. Listen to what Carl F.H. Henry said in his book, The Uneasy Conscience of Modern Fundamentalism. He writes this, a Christianity without a passion to turn the world upside down is not uh, reflective of apostolic Christianity. I want you to look at that quote again. That a Christianity that is devoid of this passion to turn the world upside down is not really reflective of the apostolic Christianity, which means what we see in the book of Acts. That if you genuinely have experienced the gospel message in your life, then it should be your desire to turn the world upside down. It should be your desire to be able to go beyond your own comfort zone and share this gospel message to as many people as possible. This is the true Christianity that we see and that we have witnessed, not only in the book of Acts, but hopefully in some of your lives. That's why I love hanging out with people who just came to know Jesus Christ or those who've gone to church all their lives but never really fully understood it, but somehow they come to a, a crossroad where they are confronted with their sins and their self-righteousness and even their comfortable Christianity, and they realize they weren't living for Jesus. Because when you hang out with some of these people, you realize they have such a passion to be able to share this with other people. They're the ones who are constantly inviting people into your life group. They're the ones who are constantly excited to bring people to church. They're the ones who are constantly thinking about ways to have dinner and to introduce some of the people in our church with these people that they know that they need the gospel message. There's always the church who are comfortable. And sometimes we have this false assurance that we're saved. But we might not. Our heart has not been regenerated. And some of us, we are the ones that to think that to go out and reach the nations, it just seems like a chore or something that, oh, yeah, here we go again. But if you genuinely experience and encounter the gospel message, it should be normative. It should be something that we desire to do because Jesus Christ has commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them everything that he has commanded us. And the promise is that surely he will be with us to the very end. Close out this missions month. It is my prayer that we will acquire God's heart, dream God's dreams, and ask God, how can I be a part of what it is that you're doing around the world? So here's the one thing that I want you to remember is simply this. The one thing is that we can reach every nation through God's work of transformation that we can reach every single nation that God has given to us as we trust in him for this work of transformation not only in our lives first and then from here our community in our church in our city and then hopefully to the rest of this world so I'm going to talk about two specific things that we must do because we can actually reach every nation with the work of God's God's work of transformation the first point is this that we must be committed 
to God's mission. If we really believe that we can reach every single nation through God's work of transformation, we must be committed to God's mission. As I think back to 1996, when my wife and I, we started Harvest Mission Community Church of Ann Arbor. As we started that church, that's our flagship church. That's the first church that we started. And when we started that church, I mean, pretty much some of you know the story. We just reached out to college students because we realized that this is such an important stage and a part of a person's life that the decisions that they make will literally change their eternity. Many of them were asking questions like, who am I? Why am I here on this earth? What major should I major in? Like, how am I going to marry this girl? And, you know, those kind of deep philosophical questions. And to be there in that moment of their maturity and being away from their parents, asking some of these questions and wanting to know the truth, it was such a great joy to walk with them. And this is what happens as they start graduating and start getting older. What happens? The needs within the church starts to grow. It's just a fact because they're no longer college students. Now they're single adults. And then single adults have their own issues, and they want certain things to help them navigate through this difficult time of the 20s. And then they start getting married, and as they get married, then they go through the 30s, and then they have the kids, and the needs begin to increase. And which I don't think it's a bad thing, because it shows us that we're reaching out to the whole generations. But the problem is that once you begin to diversify, if you will, then it's easy to drift away from some of the core things that we believe in. I remember when I was in Ann Arbor, I had several conversations with several different pastors who literally started the, their church similar to ours in Michigan. They were on campus. They started reaching out to some of these college students. These college students wanted to see a church. They started a church, and from the fellowship became a church. And then they started graduating, and guess what? As their church began to grow, they decided there's no way we can actually meet on the campus. So they decided to buy a property and build a building, a church building, and they began to grow. And as I was talking with them, they were sharing that now some of them were at least 20 years ahead of us. And so what they were sharing was that one of the things you got to be careful, I remember one pastor uh, Apostle Hill, one of the things that he mentioned to me was this. He goes, never forget that you always need a fresh influx of these young people who will help the church to continue to grow. And as I was talking with him, one of the things that he was sharing with me is that now there's a lot of people in their 40s and 50s in their church. But there's a huge gap from the 20s to 30s that they don't have any of those people and then they have all the teenagers and the young kids that are the kids of the 40s and 50s. Are you with me? And as he was sharing this, and this other pastor shared the same thing, that if you don't keep on reaching out to the next generation, then there's going to be this gap because you're going to be so insular and focused on the needs around you because these people you knew since college and now as they're going, getting older, the needs are different. So you're focused on them and you neglect some of the things that God started the church with. I remember and I took that to heart. How important it is to be committed to God's mission. And I'll declare this now and I'll say it very clearly. If there's anyone who might misunderstand, 
First of all, we are not a college campus only church. Can I get a good amen to that? I think the fastest growing population in our church right now is the single adults. Praise the Lord. And if they do get married, then we're going to have a bigger covenant ministry. We could do it right now. Look, there's an aisle, and here as the pastor. So we praise God for that. But also, I want to be very clear. We have to be focused on reaching the next generation. Because if we don't, we're going to grow, but then we're going to be focused on every life stage that's above us, and then we're going to have a huge gap, and that's where we're going to then be a, just a church that will become insular. You have to reach out to the next generation. That's why we will continue to have life groups on college campuses. That's why we'll continue to try to open up new life groups in new college campuses. We'll continue to have ministry for college students, university students, because we want to see the next generation raised up for the glory of God. That's why I've said, if you're not, if you're not jiving with that, this is the wrong church for you. Find another church that can fit your need at where you are, if that's what you want. But this is part of our bigger vision, that we are going to minister to single adults. We are going to minister to married couples and married couples with children, going through teenage years with their kids. But we will say that we will never shy away from the importance of reaching out to college students because they are the, the future of the world. And the reason why this is so important is because when we think about being committed to God's mission. The question is, have we strayed? Have we forgotten? How many freshmen, first-year students do we have? Raise your hand. Come on now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sounds like you guys are still going through puberty. Anyway, uh, you guys are like, woo-woo. Sorry. Uh, I love you guys. Listen to me. Every single time we fail to reach out to the freshman class, that's one generation we're missing. So those of you who are freshmen, go to that freshman gathering to this afternoon. No excuse. It'll be good for you. And also, you get to pick a name for your class. Some people like to name it after sushi stuff. <laughs> and other things, but you get to pick a cool name. And this is for all the freshmen in HMCC globally. So make a good one. And don't call it dim sum, okay? Everyone will know it's coming from Hong Kong. When you look at this passage, you notice a couple things about Paul and how he was committed to God's mission. Something that we can learn from. The first thing that I want you to note here as we're talking about being committed to God's mission is that he remained focused on his calling. He remained focused on his calling. Let's go ahead and read verses 1 and 2 of chapter 17 from the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, you can kind of read on with somebody next to you. Um, if you do, you can just follow along. Listen to what it says. Now when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, 
let me just pause here and talk about how he remained focused on his calling. We noticed earlier in chapter 16, you don't have to turn to it if you just kind of picture this, because this is chapter 17, but earlier in chapter 16, we see that Paul goes to Macedonia. And you know the story very well because he was headed into a different region, but through a, a call, a vision that he received, he ended up going to Macedonia. And this is where he met Lydia in Philippi. So God sometimes sovereignly redirects us in our whatever life choices, whatever it may be, because there is something, there is an, a calling or an assignment that he has for us. And we see that he ends up baptizing her. And this is where right after we see Paul and Silas, they were then put in prison. And it was in prison as they were worshiping God that the jail, the, the cell that they were in, the doors opened up. And we noticed the jailer who was about to kill himself because if you lost your prisoner, you, it's pretty much death. And so he was about to kill himself and they said, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And it was in that moment the jailer, the Philippian jailer, comes to know Jesus Christ. And then he brings them home, and his whole household becomes a believer, or they came to know Jesus Christ. This is where we're slowly getting now to chapter 17. You will notice that Paul and Silas traveled, and it was estimated about 161 kilometers. So from Philippi to Thessalonica, it's about 161 kilometers. Can you imagine for you to go from one city to another city, and traveling 161 kilometers without an MTR, without a car. But they're going on foot. Maybe they had camels or whatever it might have been. But it was a long journey. you got to be committed to the mission. you got to know your calling in life to do something like that. And what do we see? He goes to Thessalonica, such a strategic city. Why is that? Because it was the capital of Macedonia. Not only that, but it was the financial center due to the fact that it was a trade route, a very busy trade route, so it was one of the financial hubs in this whole area. And I think this is the reason why, as part of our mission, we want to focus in on global cities because it's in the global cities where cultures are shaped. It's in the global cities where influences are being made. I want you to think about this. When you think about all the bombings that have occurred, in this world, in the recent, let's say, 50 years. If you think about it, they did not bomb some rural area. Where did they bomb? They bombed the city, the capital. I remember when our family, we were in Jakarta, and we moved in there in July, and then it was August of 2009, and that, if those of you who were in Jakarta in 2009, you know that that was a weird month in August. Because as soon as we came in, and it's only been about a month, there was an earthquake. And they're like, oh, pastor, you came, and then there's an earthquake. And then I'm like, okay. And then my wife and I, we actually drove in the Golden Triangle. I don't know if you know, but in, in Jakarta, in this capital there, uh, th there were these different, uh, more Western places there. But we, we were just driving through with some people who were giving us a tour. And two days later, that was a bombing in that area. And that was one of the most freakiest things because we were just like there a couple days ago. And this is when I realized, again, your life is not in your hands. Can I get a good amen to that? Some of you are trying to control your life so badly, and I'm telling you, you are not in control. 
There are things that will happen to you. There are things that are going to happen that are outside of your control. And the more you try to control your life, you're going to realize the more it's going to elude you. The more you're going to worry. The more you're going to not be able to trust in God. And then they're like, Pastor, I don't know how to say this, but ever since you came, we had an earthquake and a bombing. Can you go back to the States? No, they didn't say that. But why am I sharing this? Because to get people's attention, it's in these global cities. 9-11 happened in New York. Think about all the different things that happen around the world. It's in these global cities. Why? Because that is where the most impact and the most influence is happening. So when I think about a city like Hong Kong, think about it. I know things have changed in the last several years. But one thing I could definitely say is that still it is an important city in this region. And so the first thing that Paul does is what does he do? He goes to a synagogue, which is the place for worship for a lot of the Jewish people. And with the large Jewish population in the city of Thessalonica, he had a great opportunity to share the gospel as he went into the synagogue. I want you to look at verse 2 again really quickly. We see that Paul goes from to the synagogue for three Sabbath days. So he was there at least minimally for three weeks. And he began to talk from the scriptures. And Paul understood, listen to me carefully, his calling and he remained focused on that calling. Can I just ask us, do you know what your calling is? Do you know why you are in Hong Kong? Do you know why God placed you even in our church? There are so many of you in this room that go through day after day and you don't know what your calling is. And I'm not talking about specific calling where what what, what job you're going to have or who you're going to marry, but I'm just talking about as a child of God and of all the identity that God has given to us and what he has called us as a follower of Christ. Do you know that calling? Our theme for this year is shine. And in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about that we are the salt and the light. That is a calling. And a lot of times you don't live out our calling. And that's why it's difficult to commit to God's mission. Listen to Paul when he understood his calling. Acts chapter 9, verse 15 in the NIV. Listen to what it says. And it says that, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument, referring to Saul back then, who later became Paul, to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. So even before Paul understood his calling, God had a call upon his life. Do you know that right now that God has a call upon your life? Some of you might not know it right now. And that means that God is doing something in your life. Some of you are not believers in Jesus Christ yet. By you even being in contact with other believers in our church, that is a sign that God is trying to do something in your life. That you might actually be chosen by God, set apart, but you don't know that yet. But he's going to keep on working. Some of you, he is calling you to go into specific spheres of society that you don't even know. How many of you, now this is probably more those who graduated, you majored in something, but you're not doing that right now. Can I get a good amen? See, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> to me, I don't know if to be rejoicing in that or to be scared of that. So college students, you don't have to study that hard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Study hard. Study hard. 
But the point is this. There are a lot of things that you might be doing right now that you might not be doing because that's not within your calling. God has something for you that you don't even know. I didn't know he called me to the ministry to be a pastor. I had no clue. It was only after I decided to take that step of faith when my mom told me eight years back when I did reveal to her I wanted to go to be a pastor, when eight years before that, my mom had a vision that I was going to the ministry. You need to understand that God is working in your life right now more than you know. And that's why you got to trust him. That's why maybe when that class is not going on, he's using that to speak to you. He spoke to me when I couldn't get microeconomics. It was frustrating. So in America, you could actually drop the class. And so I was getting like a C, and you can't get a C if you're a business major. So I dropped the class. I took a second semester thinking I already took at least a third of it, 40% of it, so I should be able to ace this. I still wasn't able to get a good grade. So what did God do? He used that to ask, I mean, literally to challenge me, why am I in business? I realized because I wanted to drive the BMW in Lakeshore Drive and right along the Lakeshore Drive of Chicago and live in a penthouse. And I said, Lord, I'll still tithe, though. I will tithe, Lord. But it was through that experience when I came to the realization, maybe business isn't what God is calling me to do. What class did I enjoy? Psych 101. So I took more of psych classes, thinking I, 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 sh I, I can be a psychologist, but they don't make that much money, so maybe a psychiatrist. <laughs> that was my sophomore year, and little did I know that God was going to call me to the ministry my third year in college, and little did I know that psychology is one of the best majors for being a pastor. And it was in the third year, heading towards the fourth, when I decided to also take sociology. It trained me well to analyze people. I didn't know that. Do you know what he's doing in your life? Do you know the calling that he has for you? Paul didn't even know. But God spoke to Ananias to let Paul know that he's going to be an instrument to carry out the purposes of God, to reach out to the Gentiles and also to the people of Israel. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 in the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says and read the yellow section with me. It says this, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given, come on now, the privilege of serving Him by spreading His good news. That it is a privilege to serve Him. So he began to understand that as part of his calling. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, bravo, in the Amplified Version. Read the yellow section with me. It says this, But when... God, who has chosen me and set me apart before I was born, and he what? Called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles as the good news, the way of salvation. So understanding that it's by his grace that he has been called. When we have this strong sense of calling over our lives, then we will be able to live with greater purpose. I love what Billy Graham said, and Billy Graham said this, the men who follow him were unique side down because their hearts had been turned, come on now, right side up. Isn't that good? He, they turned the world upside down because their heart was turned. 
never been the same. It's never been the same. What would God, what would happen if God turned our hearts right side up so that we could turn the world upside down? It's not just about working and making money. It's not just about going to classes and getting a good GPA. If your heart is turned upside in the right way, the right side up, we will be able to turn the world upside down. How about us this morning? Do you know God's calling on your life? Do you know that he did not just save you so that you could just enjoy salvation and go to heaven? But rather, the call upon all of our lives is to be a blessing to others because we've been so blessed. To serve others because we've been served. To love others because we've been loved. To be able to inspire other people because we've been inspired with this gospel message. Not only did he remain focused on his calling, but he remained faithful to the gospel. Look at verses 3 and 4 as we continue in this story. It says here, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. What's going on? We see that Paul started using the Old Testament scriptures about the prophets and the law of Moses to all point to that this is talking about Jesus Christ. To explain and to prove that Jesus had to suffer, that he had to die on the cross, that he resurrected from the dead because he was the Messiah. Because every single Jew, a young Jewish person grew up waiting for this Messiah to come. And here is Paul saying, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The reason why Paul was committed to God's mission because he was faithful to the gospel. I think too often when it comes to building relationships with people, we don't think about sharing the most important part, which is our relationship with Christ. And I'm not trying to pick on some of you, but I'm just telling you the reality of it. Is that for some of you, whether you want to be a people pleaser, you don't want to kind of rock the boat, or you don't want people to judge you, because once they know you're a Christian, you're under the microscope, you're in that fishbowl, they will see everything that you do. In fact, I want to encourage you to welcome that. Because you could dispel their view of Christianity. If they grew up in a Catholic school here in Hong Kong, do you know what the quickest way is to dispel their view of Christianity? Because their view is about good works. Their view is about being good, doing all the right things. But then if you live your life and then share about Jesus Christ, that it's not about doing good because we, we don't have anything good in us. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Like you could literally go against everything that they, they perceived of Christianity that got turned off by and then you could tell them to now understand who this Jesus is. 
That's why I'm saying right now, the more perfect of a life you try to live, the more distance they will draw from you. But the more human you can be, humbling yourself, confessing areas of sin in your life, and you're pointing it back to Jesus, this is the reason why I need him. That will make Jesus very attractive. Can I get a good amen to that? But the problem is you make yourself look good, and no one wants to be like you. That's the problem. Because they see the hypocrisy. They see the shortcomings. But if you could point them to Christ, who is perfect, and that you yourself need this Jesus to save you, then that's who they will be attracted to. I'm wondering if someone in your workplace, or in your classroom, or in your dorm room, if they were to meet me, <laughs> you guys know what I would do. And we had a conversation. And they go, oh, what do you do? You look old. Your hair is falling out, you know. You look old. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm here because of this person, and they invited me to come. And they go, what do you do? I'm sometimes a teacher in theology. Sometimes I'm a life coach. It just depends on who I'm talking with. But I'm going to bring it back to the gospel. But if I said, that person that invited me, they go to my church. What do you think would happen? Oh, you're the pastor. Wow, he was talking so much about you, about this and that and the church. And he kept on inviting me to all these events. I just didn't have time to go. Like, you should check it out. That's when it's cool. For dramatic effect, let me go on the other side. This is when it's not cool. Oh, they're a Christian? Not cool. That means that you haven't shared Christ. You haven't shared the most important part of your life. Then I begin to wonder, is Jesus the most important thing in your life? For you to not share that, let, let's be honest here. How many of you, singles, if you got into a relationship and this is the person of your dreams, that you would not post something on Instagram? Almost disgusting kind of, you know? Just kidding. PDA is okay. But be sensitive. There are other people who are lonely and they don't have a relationship. <laughs> so people are going to be like, okay. They're like in their own la-la land. La-la land. You're not being sensitive. Man, we need to do that relationship seminar ASAP. There's a lot of stuff we got to do. What I'm asking is this. How many of you, if you know that this person is the one that you've always been waiting for, and this is a person of your dreams, that you would keep it to yourself? You wouldn't. If you do, then you're probably embarrassed about them for some reason. And that's not cool. 
So if you wouldn't do that with the relationship here on this earth with somebody who you're going to marry or you want to marry, I want to tell you that there's a person who's greater than that boyfriend or girlfriend. So that just shows me that you don't have a deep personal relationship where you've experienced his love. He's radically transformed your life that that's all you can talk about. That's all you could tweet about or, the, or that's all you could I, IG-ing about. I've been saying this a lot. You understand what they value by what they do. You understand how they think by what they say. Because there are a lot of people who say a lot of stuff. And there are a lot of people who say they'll do a lot of things, but they don't. Paul was faithful to the gospel. And we, that's why in verse 4, we see that some of these people were persuaded and they came to know Jesus Christ. I'm wondering where we are. Are you faithful to the gospel? Do you live it out so that you can share your life to others, to share Christ with others? Are you committed to God's mission? I pray that we'll be committed to God's mission. The second point is this as we close. We must not only be committed to God's mission, but we must be courageous on God's mission. When you think about courage, what comes to your mind? I think for many of us, and I, this is how I was when I was younger, I thought courage meant you got to be strong, you got to be brave, like nothing phases you. That's what it means to be courageous. But I learned something over the years, that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's when you are afraid, but you do the right thing. That's true courage. And whenever you talk to any courageous person, when they did something incredible, you ask them, like, were you afraid? Like, how, how did you do this? They will always say things like, yeah, I was really afraid. I don't know that this was the right thing to do. I don't know if you know this picture. His name is Bridger um, uh, Walker, and he's six years old. Now he's probably seven years old, but he's six years old in this picture. And his sister is four years old. And just a little background so that you understand about this picture is that Bridger, he ended up saving his four-year-old sister because there was a dog that was running towards them and was about to kill her sister. And so he stood in between the dog and then the sister, and then he ended up getting injured. So here's a picture that you'll see next. His aunt, Nicole Walker, wrote on her Instagram and reached out to the Avengers, you know, the Marvel. Because the Marvel guys, uh, the Avengers were his heroes. So she kind of wrote a post and tried to tag them and see if she can get as many people to kind of send out the message to these guys. Listen to what she wrote. My nephew is a hero who saved his little sister from attack, an attacking dog. He himself took on the attack so that the dog wouldn't get his sister. Man, that's the gospel right there. Okay, amen. We got, we got, we're ready to go. I'm telling you, anything that moves you, there's a gospel element. Amen? Any movie you cry in, there's a gospel element. 
That's why I don't know why we would not share the gospel. It moves people. He himself took on the attack so that the dog wouldn't get his sister. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself when he died on the cross so that we do not have to pay the price and the penalty of our sin. He later said, if someone was going to die, I thought it should be me. <laughs> this guy, he knows the gospel more than any of us. He got home from the hospital last night. I know it's a long shot, but I'm reaching out to the Avengers and other heroes so that they can learn about his latest addition to their ranks. And Chris Evans and Spider-Man, I think it's Tom Holliday. <laughs> Holland. And uh, who's that other guy? Downey Jr. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Uh, they finally got a hold of the story, and they all either called him, did a FaceTime, or they sent the, they were on the phone talking with him how brave it was. And so here's one of the pictures, uh, each one of them talking with him. Courage is something that comes when you believe in something or you love someone deeply. I'm wondering how courageous are you on God's mission? Are you willing to risk everything so that God's mission can be fulfilled? Because you love Jesus. A couple things that we notice about being courageous on God's mission. First, they will never, they will be, they will be never-ending opposition. What I mean is simply this that you will continue to experience opposition until the day you die because of this mission that you are on. It could come from your coworkers, your friends, and sadly, sometimes from your parents, the people that you love. You'll get it from the evil one who's constantly like a roaring lion waiting to devour you so that you can be derailed from God's mission. That's why I look at verse 5 through 6, and you see what's going on here in the story as we continue. In verse 5, listen to what it says. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, or rabble they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, roar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find him, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they were all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. As many people were turning to Christ that day, we see a different response from the Jewish leaders. That's why in verse 5 through 6, we see their jealousy. They formed this mob. They started to riot 
and then they attacked Jason's house thinking that Paul and Silas were there, but they realized that they weren't there. When they couldn't find them, they dragged Jason out and accused him of going against the laws of Caesar. It's amazing because when the city authorities began to hear this, they realized that these guys were causing trouble because they're flipping everything that seems to be normal from their eyes. They're turning it upside down. When in reality, what they were doing was turning it right side up. And they ended up making Jason post bond and then let him go. You cannot, you and I, we cannot forget that as we engage in God's mission, we will always face opposition. Will you turn to somebody next to you and say, you're going to face opposition. And not only from the loved ones and those around you, but most of all, you're going to face opposition from Satan. There is a spiritual warfare that is going on, and he will do everything possible to derail you so that you will not live for the kingdom of God. This is the reason why he uses things like shame and sin. He uses distractions or even discouragements and defeats in your life so that you will no longer want to do God's mission. I see it all the time. People who start off really well, but because they're so consumed with themselves and Satan makes them focus on themselves, they get so defeated, so discouraged, even to the point so distracted that they forget the mission that they were called to be on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, the whole book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians was from Paul's experience with these people. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. In the ESV, it says this, Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but what? Satan hindered us. Because he left quickly because of everything that was going on, but then he wanted to come back and visit them, but he wasn't able to because it says here, because Satan hindered us. Look at some of these other translations in the TPT. It says this, Satan blocked our way. The NIV says Satan stopped us. The New Living Translations, but Satan prevented us. The Voice Translation says Satan thwarted our plans. Think about this. There are some of you who are trying to live the purposes of God and to be on God's mission, but Satan is doing everything possible. I wish that some of you will catch this earlier and realize that it's not so much what's going on inside your heart, but there are things that Satan is using in your life to derail you from the very thing that he wants you to do. And many of us don't put up a fight. We give up so easily. And that's why Apostle Paul reminds us that we should not be clueless about the spiritual warfare and the schemes of Satan. He talked about this to the people of Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, listen to what it says. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his design. Don't be ignorant. Come on, turn to somebody and say, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Know what he is designing and crafting so that he could bring you down. Stop being so ignorant about these things. If you don't get this by now, look at these other translations. In the Amplified, it says, to keep Satan from what? Taking advantage of us. Some of you just love to be taken advantage of, which is not good. Stand up for yourself. Some of you are like, oh, yes, okay, okay, yeah. You, you don't want to do it, but you just do it. 
because you're a people pleaser, you don't want them to hate you, all this stuff. Stand up for yourself because you are a child of God. Come on, repeat after me. I am, I am a child of God. Satan, get behind me. Something's breaking here. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. The voice translation says this. It is my duty to make sure that Satan, what? Does not win even a small victory over us. For we don't want to be Turn to somebody next to you and say, don't be naive. We're building this up. Don't be ignorant and don't be naive. And don't let people take advantage of you. Listen to what it says in the contemporary English version. I have done this to keep Satan from getting the better of us. We all know what goes on in his mind. So what are some of his schemes? I think he uses lies and deception. That's what the Bible says. We hear things like, you're not good enough. God can't use you. And we just believe that. No wonder some of us are stuck where you are. Because you take this lie, you believe in it, and he goes, this is a piece of cake. He has just taken advantage of you. He has made you ignorant. Because you don't realize that's completely a lie from what the Bible says. He will use pessimism, doubt, and fatalism. Oh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, this is too hard. Some of you are like, that's my roommate. Or that's... My leader, that's. <laughs> Eggshells. Sometimes the leaders are the ones who have to repent the most. <laughs> so I'm like, Pastor Seth is always talking, he's always killing us in this stuff, but he never kills the leaders. Trust me, every Saturday for three hours they get killed. <laughs> I don't know why you praise God that for. I don't know. <laughs> Pessimism, doubt, fatalism. It's not going to work. It's too hard. Then he's already got you. No wonder you're not going to try. No wonder you don't have faith. How are you going to have faith when you have pessimism? How are you going to have faith when you, when you start doubting? You can't. So he's got you. He will attack God's character. God won't provide. God's not good. Yeah, he hasn't provided. I've been waiting all these years. And I've been doing my facial cream and everything. And I've been waiting. He's not providing. Yeah, God is not good. He's got you. He's taking advantage of you. He's playing you. I love what A.B. Simpson said. He says that the chief danger of the church today is that it is trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world, what? Upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results even if they bring opposition and conflict. Anything is better than compromise, apathy, and paralysis. Anything! Just breathing is better then compromise, apathy, and paralysis. Doubt, negativity, pessimism. Anything is better. God, give us an intense cry for the old-time power of the gospel and of the Holy Spirit. 
or a Holy Ghost. I'm wondering if some of you who are facing opposition right now, as you're hindering you from living for the kingdom of God, for the gospel, that you are praying, you're saying, God, I need you. I cannot do this. All these doubts, all the stuff I'm wrestling through with, I need you. And then we see here, not only will there be a never-ending opposition, but you know what? This is the good news. There will always be new opportunities. Can I get a good amen to that? This is the best part. When you're courageous on God's mission, he will always open up new opportunities. Look at verse 10 and 12, and I love this. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into a Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed not with a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So in the midst of the opposition, Paul and Silas escapes by night to Berea. Do you know how far it was? From Phil we talked about the Philippi to Thessalonica was 161 kilometers. I want you to note from Thessalonica to Berea, it's about 74 kilometers away. Man, that's committed to the mission. Can I get a good amen to that? We're going to keep on going preaching the gospel, and then they had courage on this mission. And we see that as soon as they arrive, they go on to, into the synagogue. They start the mission again. But the situation in Berea was different. Why? Because these people were more noble than the Thessalonican people. Now, when you think about noble, what does that mean? Were they higher class? No. That word, it simply means, listen to the New Living Translation, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And the New King James Version said they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. So their hearts were humble. They were willing to learn. If you've ever been around stubborn people where they're so fixed on their ways, they're so stubborn, they will never grow. But we see here that they were more open-minded. They were trying to understand what is that Paul is trying to say. We're not going to take it in right away because that's why they study the scripture for themselves to really see if God is, this is what God is trying to say. So here is Paul and Silas in a situation in Thessalonica. They escape and they go to Berea. And here in the midst of the opposition, they come to this place and it's a new opportunity. And as we think about all that, has happened in the last, last nine months. I don't know about you. I was counting. I'm like, when was the last? It was March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. The last nine months. All I can say is that it was, a, how many of you guys also, it was crazy. Amen. It was crazy. Those who were doing the online, they're like, amen. They're, that was really crazy. And it's still crazy. But let me just say this. We have literally had new opportunities like never before. I can't even just sit down and list all of them for you. There's so many things that God is doing that I would have never imagined that he's doing not only in my life and other people in our church, but even for our church, the things that God is opening up, the favor that he's giving to us to be able to participate in things that are beyond ourselves. And we're just saying, God, why? And why at this time? God is connecting us to various people in the city. That's just the grace of God because he's positioning us so that we might be able to do the thing that God is calling us to do. That's him opening up new opportunities that we've never saw before. God is opening up the possibility of even doing church in a different way. 
as we're now more open to even possibly doing these micro churches and maybe finding other ways to be able to reach out to people that we would have never imagined before. I mean, whatever we thought about video and all that kind of stuff, now the possibilities of training, it's, it's just opening up doors like crazy. God is strengthening our life group ministry so that we could become like that little church to minister to people in that specific area. That's why, if you remember, I'm going to try to bring all this together, is that if you look at what we've been talking about, and I know for many of you who've been with us, you've heard this again and again. But for some of you who recently joined our church, you don't know what it is that we're trying to do, and I pray that you will catch the heart behind it. As some of you know, this picture, the first picture, we always talk about this first picture, that there are more people in this circle than the rest of the world. That is a great responsibility when you think about where we are. We are in the center of this. We didn't plan it. We had no idea. It was God speaking to us that you are in the center of this circle where there's 53% of the world's population. There are more people in this circle than there are out. This is the reason why we shared and we talked about why Hong Kong is very important. And many of you know this picture. It's an in-flight magazine because it is a visual that God spoke to me about that we got to reach Hong Kong if we have any idea of trying to reach these other global cities. Because what happens here is what we're going to see going out to the nation. This is the reason why, as Pastor Bo mentioned, we are trying to find a place somewhere in center city of Hong Kong so that we can have like a hub or HQ headquarters where we will be able to do a lot of the training, a lot of the resourcing, and everything so that we can accomplish the vision that God has given us. This is the reason why we talk about, next picture, as we talk about Hong Kong, is this is Hong Kong. We want to try to reach out to the different universities. Once again, it's part of the next generation vision. To these different universities, we also talked about there are others. There are four others that we have not touched, we have not reached out to. And I'm praying, and we should be, all of us should be praying, God, give us these eight university, government-subsidized universities so that we can reach Hong Kong for the glory of God. And as we reach out to these different universities, we also talked about how awesome it will be if we can actually see a life group in each of the train stations in the M MTR in all of Hong Kong. I mean, just try to imagine, because if we're starting different life groups in some of these different areas, then what do we see as this probably uh, coming out of even the universities there, as many of them will graduate and stick around. What we're seeing and what we're imagining is that we will see churches then begin to start. Can we move a little bit faster? Uh, we'll see churches starting where we see these areas geographically, we're reaching areas because there is another center for these churches and this is the reason why as we look at this we're not only families but the next picture what we're visualizing for you is that we want to reach hong kong and if we reach out to hong kong then we want to be able to reach out to our next destination or at least within our reach and we've talked about shenzhen and I'm praying that this is something that we're going to commit to. And then as we reach out to Shenzhen, we'll reach out to these other areas in this circle.
But once again, it has to start here. People have to be experiencing gospel, be gospel fluent, growing, doing LCG, experiencing God, having their own personal relation with Christ so that they will be able to be sent out to some of these uh, cities. And then as we zoom out even further, that's when the reality of the circle would become more clear to us. And then hopefully from here, we will see this whole region. And one other thing that we talked about is even the Belt and Road, as you guys know, of what's happening with China. And that's why I believe President Xi, praise God for him, because um, he doesn't know this. Maybe he does now, but uh, he doesn't know this. <laughs> I'm trying to be very careful because there's a new law that has been passed. Um, so he doesn't know this now, but God is using him to open up doors to even go back to Jerusalem and to Middle East. God's doing some amazing things even reaching Africa, as China is building a lot of infrastructure there. Why is all this important? It's because we talked about the bold vision. And those of you who have been with us, we started this in 2000 and what? Do you know? We started this in 2019, the beginning of 2019. And we said it's going to be a five-year vision, so in 2023 it's going to be done. And what we wanted to do was to build a school of ministry. We talked about opening up a church site, one that's local and one that is global. We talked about launching at least one life group in all of the UGC, the university government grant uh, schools in Hong Kong. And then we want to at least disciple 1,000 people through the live discipleship curriculum, which we're going to try to vamp up in this new year that's coming up. Why is this? Because when I think about this with the whole COVID situation, it put everything to a halt. But do the math. After this year in 2020, as we enter into 2021, we're going to have three years left. And I'm praying that within these three years, some of the stuff that we've been praying about and asking God to do, that we will actually see that become a reality. That's why we've got to be courageous on God's mission. That means that we've got to take risks. That means that we've got to step out in faith. That means that we've got to trust in Him, that there will be opposition but yet there will be new opportunities at the same time. That's why the one thing, once again, is that we can reach every nation through God's work of transformation. I'm going to hold off on this video so that we could just close here. I want us to take this moment and to do a couple things. The first thing is this. One month has passed by since we've been talking about it upside down, Life, upside down, perspective, upside down, community, upside down, city, and upside down, world. And so many things have happened, and we just highlighted some things for you in the beginning. But a lot of things happened that I want you to be able to listen to God, and what is it that He's trying to speak to you about? And I pray that before you leave this place this morning, that you will respond in obedience to the Holy Spirit. What is it that he's speaking to you about? So once again, if you will reach under your chairs, there is a sheet of paper that we have pasted there. Sorry, no more candy.
you see this. And what we want you to do is to fill this out. Those of you who don't have a pen, you can just slip up your hands. Some of the greeters will be coming down. You can uh, get a pen and then return it as you walk out. But there are two things that I want you to do is how has God been turning these things upside down for you? Thinking about maybe your perspective, your life, community, city, whatever it is. And then the last part is how is God calling you to respond to the world upside down? And so first, before you do anything else, before you say, I want to do this, I want to make a comment, just write down what it is that God is trying to do in your life. After you're done, okay, so before you go on, you, you got to follow instructions. Afterwards, if you turn to the other side, you'll see a QR code. And if you don't have a scanner or whatever on your phone, you can just type this in inside a, a browser. And it's going to lead you into a... a a sheet like this and we have broken down to life perspective community city and the world I'm gonna walk you through it so you understand what we're asking you to do don't make a commitment without understanding don't be ignorant don't be naive don't be taken advantage of pay attention what we're gonna ask you to do is that the first section that you'll come across uh, a Google form that you'll receive. It's those of you who have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is probably one of the best opportunities to do so. There are people praying for you. There are people who have been spending time with you. And they're doing it because they love you and they love Jesus and they love this gospel message. Maybe the Holy Spirit is moving your heart to say, you know what, I can't live this life by myself. I need Christ. I've been sitting here coming out to life group every single week and I realize maybe today I'm finally understanding it. If that's you, we would love for you to make a commitment to receive him and to get baptized. Another choice is share my gospel story with a friend this week. So if the first thing is not relevant for you because you're a believer, well, here's a simple thing. Just share the gospel story. You don't have to know all the apologetics. Just share about your life. What is God doing in your life? What are they going to do? Uh, argue against you? They can't argue. This is what you experience. So they're going to at least listen. Well, if they're your friend. If they're not, they're probably not your friend. All right? The next section is perspective. And it's committing to savoring Jesus and to meditating on God's word every day. I want to challenge some of you. Some of you have been unfaithful in spending time with God. Maybe from this missions month, you realize, you know what? I need to spend more time with them. I need to get into his word. I can't depend on life group all the time. I can't depend on Sunday all the time. I need to learn how to read the word. What if you get placed in Alaska somewhere or Siberia and there's no, nothing out there, but you have your word, the word of God. Commit to reading the word. Or another thing that you can commit to is find ways to live out the five E, the motivation, evangelism, edification, education, extension, and exaltation in your campus or your workplace. Because if you remember, one of the things we said is that those who, are, who have been loved, they will what? Love. Maybe that's one of the things you're going to have to do this coming week, to love someone at work, to love someone in school. The next section is this. It's community. We talked about being a contributor and ask for serving opportunities. Don't be passive. To say, you know what, I'm going to be proactive and say, hey, leader, what can I do to get involved? What can I do to serve? 
Another one is partner with someone in your life stage to reach the city in your transformer sphere. Some of you got just got started, but maybe you could continue that on as you build some relationship with people. The next one is city. To commit to praying for the shine prayer. Some of you have totally forgot about what we committed to do. Every 514 in the afternoon, what we're saying is that we want you to pray for the spiritual awakening, the S, the H is what? Healing. The I is issues plaguing Hong Kong. The N is the neighborhoods. And the E is evangelism. So some of the guys I'm discipling, I'm spending time with, like it's hard to pray for all five every single day. So I said, just pick one. And every day we're going to pick one. And just go down. S is on Monday. You know, H is on Tuesday. Just go down the list wherever you start from. Just go down and pray for every single one at 514. And it's just three minutes of your time. This, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to be able to do great things without God. It starts with prayer. And as you begin to pray, God will give you revelations about certain things in the city. Maybe something about a neighborhood. Maybe something about a spiritual awakening. Maybe about an issue that you don't know about. Or maybe as you're praying for evangelism, God is going to move your heart to share the gospel with somebody. So commit to it. I set an alarm every single day. And we text out one another to say, this is what we pray about today. Commit to it. Because the more you begin to pray, the more God will move your heart. And the more you'll be positioned to say yes, whatever he wants you to do. Another thing is possibly commit to staying for two years in Hong Kong after graduation. I want to challenge you to do this. Why? Because the Mormons, they give two years of their life to go on mission. Come on now. If we say we have the truth and we believe in this thing, then what is your two years of your life in light of eternity? Some of you don't even have a job. So you might as well just intern at HMCC of Hong Kong. We've been talking about that, how to work that out. Who knows? We'll just feed you pizza. That's it. Some of you are like, two years in light of 80 years, that's nothing. Four years of your college life, what has God done for you? A lot. Some of you came to know Christ. Some of you, your hearts were awakened. Some of you learned the things of Christ. Four years, people invested in you. To be able to say, I'm going to stick around for two years so I can invest in the next generation. Lastly, as we talk about the world, is to commit to participating in Giving Tuesdays to support our local international ministry and also applying for upcoming missions project. Some of you already applied and it messed it up because of the virus, of the pandemic. But now realizing that there's a lot more people, we might have to open up various missions opportunity. And those of you who are single adults, we don't always have to go in the summer. Amen? Because you just take whatever days you want it off. And so we're thinking... I'm going to work it out with some of the people that we know there uh, in Thailand and some other places. And we're just saying maybe we could have multiple missions project going on. And people just, whichever that God is opening the door for, that that's where you will go. But just to say, I'm willing. I don't know how it's going to work out with my schedule. I don't know how it's going to work out with all the stuff. But I'm willing, Lord. This is something you put in my heart as I think about all the needs around me. I mean, those of you who watched that 
free Burma Rangers. I would always say free, free Burma or free Ranger Burma or something. Like he just was open and went to the places that God was leading him and look at all the miracles that happened. And to those of you who checked off, I'm going to participate in Giving Tuesday. There's a section here. If you go into it, the section, I want you to look at this. We don't have it. Okay. Um, there's a section that once you uh, scan it, that we specifically ask you to check off where you want your giving to go to. But this is the thing. We're going to ask you to pledge. Now, Pastor, why are we doing this? Because there's something about learning how to pledge to say, God, once again, don't put any number down. That's why we want you to take this time to pray. See what the Lord is speaking to you about. Think about some of the things in your life that you could say, you know what? For this coming month, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend money on whatever because I want to be able to give to the work of the Lord. So we made it very clear. You have an opportunity to give to international missions by supporting some funds to uh, David Rowe we're going to give to and some other ministries. Also, the local ministries, you've already met some of them. There's so many needs around us. And when Pastor Bo mentioned about growing the body of Christ, listen, I'm going to be as direct as possible. As our church is growing, there's a limitation of what I can do and what Pastor Bo can do. Those of you who do not know, he's working part-time because we don't have enough resources to pay for his salary from the church. So those of you who have ever worked or you are working, you understand how hard it is to work and then serve to his capacity to do what he's doing every single day. And so for the last four years, that's what he's been doing. And this recently, he's gone part-time because more people are giving. That means that we have more resources. That means that's more we can give. But I'm challenging some of you that this is not about you. This is about God's mission and what he's calling us to do. And I'm unapologetic about this is that if we will be generous and say, God, we want your mission to move forward. I'm praying that we will be able to hire Pastor Bo full-time. I'm praying that we will be able to raise up more pastors so that we could even staff more people. How awesome would it be if we had a pastor for just each of the college campuses? How awesome would it be if we had a, a pastor for the different life stages? But we're limited. Not only in resources, but with people. Some of us whom God may have a call on your life that you don't even know. So I want to challenge us to say, you know what? As I'm praying, God, I can do this much. On top of my tithes now, I, I, I could curb. I, I will eat rice and soy sauce and butter. That's a good combo. I used to eat that. Or I eat ramen for at least a couple weeks. So instead of spending 60, 80, some of you spend 140. But if you just add up just one week, that could be something that you can give to God and say, God, here's my sacrifice. And if every single person in our church participates, I'm telling you right now, last year we raised, what, 99-some thousand Hong Kong dollars. I think we're going to raise more this coming year. Do you believe that? Amen. The 101 or 102, some people that did it, I believe there's going to be more. Because then when we see God blessing us, and now we're blessing people around us, I'm telling you right now, God's mission 
will move forward. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.